0: Turn with me to Romans chapter eight, and verse twenty-eight. In the Old Testament, the Scripture tells us the story of Joseph, and Joseph was his father's favorite, and his brothers were jealous of him. So they saw him in a field, and they said, "Hey, he's coming out to. We're far away from home. Uh, let's throw him in this pit, and we'll kill him." And, uh, and we'll go back and say that he's been torn by a wild animal. But then Judah, he was uh, the practical one of the bunch, uh, says, hey, what, you know, why don't we make some money off of him? And so they sell him uh, to this group of Ishmaelites uh, that are going down to Egypt. And uh, he gets sold into slavery in Egypt. There he still continues to serve God, still continues to trust God. He's promoted at, to the chief servant, and he's over all of his master's household. But then he's falsely accused by his master's wife. And he's thrown into prison. Uh, there in prison, he again continues to trust God. Uh, he is promoted to the, to the head of the prison uh, underneath the jailer. And, uh, and then there's two officials that come into the prison. And he interprets their dreams. And one of them's killed, and one of them's restored uh, but he forgets Joseph. And so Joseph continues to sit in the prison cell, waiting for somebody to remember. And then uh, finally, Pharaoh has a dream. And, and in a moment, Joseph's whole world has changed. And he is promoted to the second over all Egypt. And is given the the job of preserving not only Egypt, but all the people in that area from the severe famine that was ahead as God had revealed it to Joseph through Pharaoh's dream. And so, uh, very unjustly treated. But Joseph says these words to his brothers when they finally come to Egypt for food. He says, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And so sometimes in life, the struggles of life, the difficulties of life... uh, we, we see the evil that's in this world, and we struggle with that. But uh, ultimately, if we know God, if we are his children, all things in this life God takes and uses for good, for his good purpose. And he works together for our good through the circumstances of life. And one day, uh, not only will we experience the benefits here, of the blessing of growing in the, in God and of seeing Him work out His purpose in this world, but we will one day see our Savior and we will receive rewards for the things suffered for His sake while we're here in this world. Um, so we need to trust God and be comforted by His purpose in our lives. And as Paul kind of shifts, you know, they've been talking about struggling with with sin and just struggle in general. Um, And he's been trying to comfort them in this chapter. And the comfort that he offers comes by way of God's purpose. He says, I want you to understand that God has a purpose for you as a Christian, as a child of God. And that purpose, because of who God is, cannot fail to be accomplished. Because God is God and he is sovereign. And so you need to trust God. And be comforted by His purpose in your life. And so we need to do the same. And so the title of my message is, Comforted by God's Purpose. And I want to begin reading in Romans 8, 28. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, those who are called according to His purpose. For those He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers. Those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. What then are we to say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He did not even spare his own son, but offered him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us everything? Who can bring an accusation against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus, the one who died. But even more, has been raised, and he is also at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Comforted by God's purpose. What is God's purpose? Uh, I think you're going to see three things, three general categories of God's purpose for your life that will be accomplished because of who God is. First of all, I want you to see that God's purpose is ultimate good. Ultimate good. Uh, You can actually translate uh, Romans 8, 28. We know that God works all things together, or he works all things together for good. Uh, So that not just that all things work together for good, but God himself is the one who takes these things that may be bad in and of themselves and he works them together for his good purpose. So that even the murderous plot of Joseph's brothers, even their selling him into slavery as wicked and as evil as it was, was used by God and worked by God for God's good purpose. So, not only Joseph and his family, but people all over the region were saved by God's purpose. His ultimate good. Uh, When I was a little boy, my mother used to make me eat vegetables. And I didn't enjoy it too much. Sometimes I would complain. Sometimes I would try to trick her, you know, and move my vegetables around so it looked like I had taken a bite. And I got creative with it. But she wanted me to eat vegetables because she knew that ultimately I needed to be healthy and that it would be for my good. I, on the other hand, wanted to eat candy, and uh, and so. But she gave me vegetables because she was looking out for my ultimate good. Sometimes God allows things in our lives that may not be pleasant, uh, but God takes those things and He uses them for ultimate good in our lives. God even takes our mistakes, and yes, even our sin, and he takes it and uses it for his good purpose. And Joseph's brother is a perfect example of that. That's the sovereignty of our God. Ultimate good is his purpose. So we can look through everything. It doesn't matter whether there's a Democrat or Republican in the White House or in the Congress or anywhere else. It doesn't matter what happens tomorrow as far as terrorism, whatever else takes place in this world, our God is sovereign and his purpose of ultimate good will stand because of who he is. He is ultimately sovereign. I love that scripture in Colossians that's talking about Jesus and it says, uh, by him, all things came together, all things consist. Jesus, by his power, is holding the universe together. That's the power of our God. He knows exactly how to keep earth in the right orbit. You know, uh, We we heard on the video a while back that if the earth was a little closer to the sun, we'd burn up. If it was a little farther, we'd freeze to death. It has to be exactly in the right place. God has got everything finely tuned, and he is working it out all the time. And we just take that for granted, the, the awesome work that he does. If God can control the universe, guess what? He can control my life and he can control yours. Amen? And he can take those negative things in our lives and use them for his good purpose. And the positive things as well. Um, So, uh, he says, we know that all things work together for the good. That's the purpose. For the good. The ultimate good of those who love God. Every Christian Loves God and is called according to his purpose. You you have a purpose from God that needs to be fulfilled. And guess what? God will take even the negative things in your life to help you fulfill the purpose for which he created you. So ultimate good. That's the first purpose. It ought to comfort you that ultimately. Guess what? Paul said this light and momentary suffering is working for you an eternal weight of glory that cannot be compared to it. Paul was shipwrecked, jailed, beaten multiple times, left for dead. Uh, All these things. He says we went without uh, adequate clothing, without adequate food at times. And we we suffered in all these different ways. I was sick and all these experiences that I've had. But he says this is a light and momentary suffering. Which is not worthy to be compared to the glory. ultimate. Good. I want to tell you something. As a Christian, as a child of God, we look at life through the lens of the sovereignty of God. He is in charge. Aren't you glad? I'm glad I'm not in charge. Half the time I don't know what I'm doing, right? Praise God, He's in charge. Half the time people in Washington don't know what they're doing. Amen? And, uh, you know, let's praise God, He is in charge. And ultimate good will come. For his children. Um, I think of the persecuted church in various parts of the world, and uh, David Platt was sharing one time about the discussion they were having and how they'd suffered in different ways and how God had given them the privilege of suffering. He talked about the fellowship and the joy that was present in that room as they worshiped God. Listen, I'm going to tell you, that's victory. They're being persecuted for Christ. and They say, listen, we're going to worship God. We're going to praise him for the opportunity to suffer for his name. Why? Because they had put their trust in the ultimate good that God was bringing through their circumstance. Isn't it amazing that uh, the kingdom of God continues to go forward? Caesars have tried to, to kill Christians and burn Bibles. Uh, world leaders all over the world have tried to, to stamp out Christianity, but God's kingdom continues to go forward. Why? Because he has a purpose of ultimate good, and hell itself can't stop it. God is in charge. And so, that ought to be a comfort to you. Be comforted by his purpose in your life, his purpose of ultimate good. But secondly, not only is his purpose ultimate good for your life, but it's also Christ-like character. That's the second purpose God has for your life, Christ-like character. Verse 29 says, for those he foreknew. What's the word foreknow mean? Just basically that God knew you before time began. Isn't that a wonderful thought? God loved you and knew you before he ever said, let there be light. I, I don't know, it's hard to wrap your mind around, isn't it? Because he, he knew you before time began, he knew you'd put your trust in Christ, he had a plan for your Christian life and some things he put in motion. And one of those things is found in verse 29. Be, those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. What's he talking about? Christ-like character. That ought to be an encouragement to you. Have you ever blown it in your Christian life? I have more times than I can count. I've blown it in more ways that I could probably count. <laughs> I tell you what, you know, you begin to think about when you sin with your with your speech, and you you know you say an unkind word, or you lose your temper, or um, you know what about attitude? Sins of attitude. Uh, rather than trusting God, you're you're worried or what about grumbling the sin of grumbling You remember the Israelites in the desert they kept grumbling 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 the Bible says the anger of the Lord was kindled against them I've grumbled before in my life I, there have been so many ways that I have failed God but God has never given up on me he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus he never gives up um, when you raise kids, they don't—they don't do everything right, do they? Sometimes they disobey. Sometimes they do the wrong thing, and we understand it, don't we? Because we did the same thing when we were little. <laughs> you know, we. Uh, and there is this—there's this sense of you're you're investing in your kids, and you're seeking to raise them in nurture and nurturing admonition of the Lord, and and all of these things. But oftentimes, there's patterns of ongoing things in their lives. And, and we lift them to God in prayer and we, and we try to set a good example and all of those things. But ultimately, uh, it's in God's hands. Well, God has an even tougher project because he's not just trying to get us to do some basic things so we can live a decent life and be a productive, uh, pr- productive person. But God is trying to change our hearts. No human being can do that. He, what God is doing takes a miraculous work of the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about that on Sunday mornings. Uh, it takes a supernatural change on the inside. And not only that, but once a person comes to Christ, the process has just begun. They begin a process called sanctification, where they grow in Christ as they cooperate with the work of the Holy Spirit in their life. And as they feed on God's Word and the fellowship of God's people, uh, they're strengthened to grow into what God wants them to be. But all of this ultimately comes from God. I can't grow spiritually without his help. Neither can you. Uh, if I'm to be like Christ, if I'm to grow in character and look more like Jesus, I'm not going to be able to do it in my own strength. If, you, if you've been a Christian for long, you know that. And, um, but what he's saying here is God foreknew you And before you were even born, he predestined that you would be conformed to his son. That's encouraging to me. Praise God, I may have blown it in the past, but as Paul said, forgetting those things that are behind, I press toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And I do so knowing that it is the purpose of God for me to have Christ-like character. And because of who he is, that purpose will be achieved. And ultimately, one day, I'll get to shed the old sin nature forever and have a, a perfect nature like Christ. Um, what a wonderful thing that will be. So if you're discouraged in your Christian walk, take heart. Don't give up. Don't quit. God is on your team. God's purpose is for you to have the character of Christ. Isn't that a good word? Um The devil will try to get you to quit. He'll say, look, you have blown it. You have blown it. How many times have you blown it? You're not worthy to come into God's presence, but Jesus says, my blood has paid for it. I've sent my spirit to live inside you, and I will teach you how to walk in the fullness of my spirit. You trust me. You keep going. You keep your sin confessed. You keep coming to the throne of grace and asking God to empower you and live through you. You keep in my word and learning my truth and, and putting it into practice in your life. And one day you're going to wake up and find that the sin habit in your life that you struggle with is in the past and you have victory. You say, why is that? Because it's the purpose of God. It's the purpose of God for you to have Christ-like character. You say, well, well, aren't there people who go off into sin and they leave the church? Well, absolutely. Adrian Rogers said it this way, a faith that fizzles before the finish had a flaw from the first. Okay? So a person who doesn't truly know Jesus Christ, they may go through the motions, they may even get dunked in the baptistry, but they've not truly surrendered their heart to Christ and put their trust in Jesus. They may end up leaving and, and and uh, living a godless life. But the person who is a child of God, yes, they may make mistakes. Yes, they will make mistakes. man who says he's without sin is a liar, the scripture says. But the person who is genuinely saved has a desire to please Christ. They'll keep coming back. And for that person, they can be assured that God is not finished with them. Remember that? That T-shirt that said, be patient with me. God's not finished with me yet. Uh, That's true for all of us, isn't it? Uh, We're all a work in progress. But praise God, it's a work that is assured of being successful. It's God's purpose for you to have a Christ-like character in your life. So, what are God's purposes? Trust God for for these purposes in your life. Ultimate good. Secondly, Christ-like character. And thirdly, assured blessing. This is my favorite. Look at verse 30. Those he predestined. What is he talking about predestined? Predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Okay, notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say predestined to be saved. Just FYI. Um, predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Some people view this verse as a process, but I look at this verse as a unit of things that are given to the person who trusts Christ. Because in in Romans chapter 10, um, he talks about what he's talking about with election. He says, listen, um, it doesn't matter whether you're Jew or Gentile. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And he says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so election isn't God picking somebody to be saved versus somebody else. Election is God saying, I choose to save anyone, Jew or Gentile, who will put their trust in me. But what happens is, when they, when a person puts their trust in me, in Jesus Christ, is all of these things are given as God's assured blessing for their life. Now I haven't even gotten to them all yet, but let's just look at these things. He says, those who he predestined, he also called. What's he talking about? Called. Well, look at back at, at verse 28. Those who are called according to his purpose. God has a purpose for your life. Isn't it an amazing thing that God is. Before the universe began had a plan for your life. For your Christian life, he had a calling for you to fulfill. People think, well, uh, preachers are called to preach and you know they're called, but I'm not called. I'm just a just a regular Christian. Oh, yes you are called. You are called to God's purpose just as much as I'm called to God's purpose. You'll probably be called to God's purpose in a little different way. Maybe a little different avenue of service and you know, you talk, start talking about spiritual gifts, uh, the gift of service, the gift of encouragement, the gift of showing mercy, the gift of administration, the gift of leadership. All of these are ways that God can call you into, into ministry to his local church. We're also called to share the gospel with people who were lost. And so uh, Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, uh, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. We are called according to His purpose. One of the most amazing things to me when I, when I became a child of God was just the sense of purpose that came into my life because I, I had just kind of drifted through life, you know, hey, you know, take what comes and you know, uh, kind of thing, and. But when I became a Christian, I recognized there was a purpose of God on my life, and I wanted to honor Him, and I wanted to glorify Him with what I said, with what I did, and the the behavior, that I, the way I live my life. Um, I wanted to tell other people about Jesus. I wanted to help other Christians in the church. And I had this sense of purpose upon my life that came upon my life when I met Christ. And it was an amazing thing. Going from purposelessness to purposefulness. Listen, I want to tell you something. What this world teaches about humanity brings people to despair. They teach you, you know, once I was a, a tadpole swimming in the sea, then I was a monkey hanging in a tree and now I'm a professor with my PhD. That's what they teach. But when you think about that, that you're just the divine not divine, but you're just an accident. There's there's nothing to do with the divine in their view, and so you're just the accident of history. There's no reason that you're here. There's no reason that you do anything. Uh, it's all just a big accident. Well, we're we're going to see that that not even science points to that anymore. But um, just a just a preview in a couple months, Lord willing, we're going to see see uh, a neat thing. But anyway. Uh, Back to the topic at hand, but God says you are made in the image of God, that he designed you for his purpose. God told Jeremiah, he said, uh, before you were born, I set you apart and ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. Is that not cool? God has a purpose for your life that he wants you to fulfill. And so um, that's a blessing of God. and. Uh, I, I can think of no greater purpose than to serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I can think of no greater calling than to do what counts for eternity. That's purpose. So, uh, those who predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. What is it to be justified? To be declared righteous. Clothed in the righteousness of Christ. When you put your trust in Jesus, Christ's righteousness is credited to you. We talked about that this morning. And when he credits his righteousness to you, when God looks at you, he sees the perfect, spotless character and righteousness of his son Jesus. Forevermore, you will not have to come into God's presence with trembling. You can come boldly because you're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. That's a great gift. Uh, Another blessing. Those he justified, he also glorified. What does that mean? Glorified means I get my heavenly blessings, right? Did you know that was a done deal the moment you put your trust in Jesus Christ? That ought to tell you something about eternal security. God glorified you the moment you put your trust in Christ. That became a settled fact. It's kind of like your teacher who's been frustrated with you, you know, and I, I remember this happening a couple of times in school, and, and, you know, they've they asked you to do something and you don't do it. And they say, okay, this is done. This is going to be done. This is done. Well, no, 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 this is done. It's going to be done. What's she saying? She's saying, it, buddy, it is going to happen. He says, when you put your trust in Jesus Christ, you're glorified at that moment. God assures that I'll have a glorified body. God assures that when Jesus comes back, I'll be caught up in The clouds to meet him in the air. God assures that I'll be a part of the new heaven, new earth, and new Jerusalem. I'm glorified. It is my possession because Christ purchased it and gave it to me when he gave me the gift of eternal life. It's a blessing of God. So I have assured blessing, but we're not done yet. God is for us. Verse 31. What are we saying about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? One of the blessings of putting your trust in Jesus Christ is that God is for you. I don't know if you've ever truly thought about this in these terms, but did you know that God is perpetually for you? There's never a time in your life, even when you blow it, that God is not for you. Why? Because Christ paid the price for your sin, credited his righteousness to you. And so what he's saying, you're justified. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin not in part, but the whole is nailed to the cross. I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, oh, my soul. God is for me. And because of what Jesus did on the cross, my sin, though I may be disciplined for it, I will be if I'm God's child. The discipline is done in love to bring me back to the place where I can can walk in the fullness of what God has for me in abundant life, but God is for me. His purpose for me. Sometimes I had to discipline our kids when, I was growing, when they were growing up, and uh, it wasn't pleasant to do it, but I was doing it because I was for them. I, wanted, I didn't want them to turn out to be an axe murderer, right? And so I was trying to teach them how to respond to authority and how to, to be obedient so that they could function in life. The same thing is true of God. He's for you, even in, even in the discipline that you experience. That's why um, he says in Hebrews 12, uh, you, you need to rejoice that you're being disciplined because it means you're a son. It means God cares. If God didn't care, he wouldn't waste his time. But God cares for us, so he disciplines us. He's for us. And every, you know, Sometimes the devil will whisper in your ear and think, you know, God is your enemy. God cannot possibly love you after what you've done. God cannot possibly think well of you. Look at, look at what, how you felt. Look at what you did. And, and he will point to all these things, and he will try to rob you of your Christian joy. Don't let him do it. God is for you. You're a child of God. He is for you. It's a great blessing of God. I'm, what's another blessing? He didn't even spare his own son. He gave his son for us. Will he not also grant us, verse 32, everything. Everything you need to fulfill God's purpose. Everything you need to walk with Christ. Everything you need that he knows you can handle. He will give to you in love. Why? Because that's, he's for you. And then, look at, I love this. Look at verse 33. Who could bring an accusation against God's elect? God's the one who justifies. If God, the great, eternal, divine judge, has acquitted me of sin, who is anybody else to tell me that I'm guilty? They can't accuse me. The divine judge has already made a a statement. Who is the one who condemns? Jesus Christ is the one who died. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. The judgment, who's going to be um, rewarding Christians and who's going to be sending lost people to the place of judgment? It's Jesus who died. Well, if Jesus died for me and I've accepted the work of Christ, his blood has been applied, he's not going to condemn me. I'm accepted in the beloved. Jesus, the one who died, even more has been raised, and he is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. He's praying for us. Isn't that an amazing thought? Every day of your life, since you put your trust in Jesus Christ, Jesus has been interceding before the throne of the Father for you. <laughs> Talk about assured blessing. I can't think of anybody else I'd want to lift to lift me before the throne of God than Jesus Christ. He's the perfect intercessor. So, that's his purpose. Is your assured blessing when the devil comes and attacks you? You can remind him of this. You can flip to this chapter, and you can read these things. This is what my assured blessing, the purpose of God, is for my life, that I be called, justified, glorified, that God be for me, that God give his son for me, that God grant me everything, that Jesus intercede for me. That's God's purpose for me. Devil, get behind me in the name of Jesus. That's God's purpose. Assured blessing. If God is for us, who can be? against us. You need to be comforted by God's purpose. What is His purpose? His purpose is for you to have Christ-like character, and assured blessing, and ultimate good. Trust Him to fulfill His purpose in your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your great, awesome...